0: um I mean I, I like sports I like to watch sports I know a few years back I'm not really a golf fan either I've got a brother-in-law that's infatuated with golf he lives for golf but uh in golf close doesn't count either you can you can hit that ball and be close to that hole but if it doesn't go in there you you know you got to add another one to it that's right the higher your score is the worse you are I guess what they say I've never golfed a game in my life, but uh, we've mini golfed a lot. We have a guy that he blessed us with a lot of mini golf tickets. And I Remember uh, Brother Adam Fools, and we asked him to go with us one. I said, no, sir. I'm not going for that one. <laughs> I said, I feel your pain, brother. But um, <laughs> anyways, we like to go a lot as a family. We have a good time, and uh, there's this one particular hole that gets me every time. It's kind of shaped like an ant bed, and I can hit it, and it'd be going right to it. And psh- Every time I'll be 15 hits on that one hole sometimes, and Rebecca she'll come up there and have a hole in one on it. And it just she might have 15 on the rest of them, but that one that's hard for me she gets it almost every time. But anyways, you know close doesn't count in golf. You gotta you gotta make it go in the hole there. Yeah. And you know what's really crazy is nowadays you gotta laugh about it sometimes. We have participation trophies. You, know, you can be close and still get a prize. I mean we've turned into a soft generation. you can be on the losing team and everyone still gets a trophy. You can be the worst player out there you still you're still a winner. Everybody's included. You know you can miss the mark and still get a trophy. We don't want to upset or leave anyone out. you know that the word sin in the original Hebrew would be kata. It means to miss the mark. It means to fail to hit the target. Right. Me and Pete, we we joke around about that a lot. He loves to shoot his bow. We can't really rifle hunt much where we're at anymore, so he loves to shoot his bow. And he he's out there every day, hitting, making I mean, all the time, shooting and shooting and shooting. I said, "You gotta hit the mark, boy. You gotta hit the mark." So, and if he misses it, it drives him crazy. He'll look for an arrow for hours if he if it goes over the little berm or goes in the high grass. He'll look for it and. He's getting pretty good. He's the only one I know that's ever shot himself. (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, now he's getting really good. He impresses me and blows my mind with some of those shots that he makes. But anyways, you can be close and still miss the mark. You can look the part. You can act the part. You can even go to church and still miss the mark. Tonight I want to preach just for a little while about the word close. Like for everybody to uh, go ahead and stand for the reading of the text. If you got your Bibles, be in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 28. I'm just going to read one verse for right now. Give y'all a second to turn there. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord, and I thank you for another opportunity to come and share your word. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll just help me through this, Lord, and I pray that you'll touch our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'll just let your Holy Ghost have us waiting in this place tonight. Lord, and I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Almost persuaded that some of the saddest words that you'll ever read in the Bible. Almost. He was that close. You know, One of the greatest decisions, or the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life is that decision to uh, walk with Christ or the choice to walk away from him. That's right. you know, we all have to come to that place in our life where we have to make that choice. We all have to make up our mind whether we're going to live for Jesus or whether we're going to walk away from him or whether we're going to try to make it on our own. We can't. We can't make it on our own. I was talking with my friend Steven the other day. He, he's gone through a lot in this last year. Lost his two-year-old baby and just had all kind of troubles and going through a lot. And I said, you can't make it on your own. He said, I know I've been trying and I can't. He said, I've tried everything I can do on my own and I can't. I've come to that realization that I've got to have something more. And I'm ready to give it over to the Lord. I said, that's where I've been praying for you to be. Ready to make that choice but you know we can't make it on our own you know Agrippa and his wife Bernice they walked away that day they walked away still lost they were that close they were almost persuaded yeah. you know maybe it was it was Felix and Festus that were there with him maybe they were talking to him and said, hey man you know why are you going to listen to this guy telling you about a better life when he's the one that's in jail he's the one that's been in stocks and fetters and He's the one that's been beaten. He's the one that's cuffed right now. Why are you going to listen to this guy telling you about a better life when, you know, look at you, you're the king, you're the head guy in charge. You've got it made. you got everything going for you. Right. You have people that work for you that answer to you. Why are you going to listen to this guy? You know, he was uh, probably, you know, persuaded or convinced by them a little bit. You know, maybe it was the bonds or the shackles that Paul wore that made him say, hey, you know, I don't want to be in this guy's shape. Why should I listen to him? Yeah. You know, maybe he was scared for all that Paul had been through. All the different things, the beatings, being stolen, being left for dead, being shipwrecked, being left out in the in the deep for nights at a time. All the different perils that he had been through. Maybe all these things kinda of came to him Man, I don't I don't want that for my life. I'm comfortable where I'm at. But you know how many how many of you know that being a Christian is gonna cost you something? Yes. You know, you're gonna be the outcast sometimes. You're gonna be ridiculed but We've got to be separate. You know, it isn't one of these things, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my life to the Lord and everything's gonna be perfect. You know, we're gonna have battles, we're gonna fight things, but it's worth it. It's worth it all in the end. Yes. And you know, it's worth it to bring as many people as you can with you. You know, just a few chapters before that in Acts chapter 24. I'm gonna read two verses there, verses 24 and 25. It says, and after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ, and he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And Felix, he was there you know, with a grip of that, that in the first text, and, but just a few chapters before that, Paul was preaching to him. He said, you know, he was trembling there. He was scared. He was nervous. He was ready, but he's like, well, not right now. I'm just not quite ready. He said, I'll come back to you at a more convenient time. I've had so many people lately that have wanted to come back at a more convenient time. Yeah. Talk to them about the Lord. Well, you know, I can't right now. I've got this going on. I, I can't. You know, I'm, I'm involved in this relationship right now. I don't really want to get out of and I can't really surrender everything. I said, man, you've got to. If you're going to be wholeheartedly surrendered to the Lord, you got to put these things behind you. Yeah. We can't make it in that state. <clears throat> you know, Go thy way for this time. When I have a more convenient season, I will call for thee. He was so close. He trembled under conviction. He asked Paul to come back later on. You know, so many people are almost persuaded. You know, they're close, but they just don't want to let go of their old life. You know, we have so many people that they just want to feel good, too. They, they go to the church sometimes just to feel good, and they go right back into that lifestyle, but they're so close. They don't never surrender. They're so close, but yet so far. And there's not a more convenient season than right here and right now. That's right. Thank you, Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Now is the day of salvation. Yeah. You know, if you're lost, today could be the day. Tonight could be the night. So. Um, another character in the Bible that comes to mind is someone being close, or almost making it. This is a woman. She was a wife. She was a mother. Um, she could have been spared utter destruction if she would have just been totally persuaded. We find her in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 28 through 33 says, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And in that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him come not Or let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Verse 33, remember Lot's wife. That's the third shortest verse in the Bible, but one of the saddest. Um, Abraham and his family, or Abram, he wasn't named Abraham yet. him and his family, and Lot and his family, they had left Egypt. You know, they were both very blessed. They had gold, they had cattle, they had riches, they had servants, they had all kind of things, lots of livestock. You know, and after a short time there began to be strife. There began to be trouble between Abram's servants and Lot's servants. And they started having trouble, started quarreling a little bit. You know how it, it's crazy how that a lot of times that in the midst of God's blessings, when God's moving so great, people begin to quarrel. We start to have troubles. They get their you know, they let self get in there. They let the flesh get involved, and, and trouble starts to brew. The devil always tries to weave his way right in the middle of things. But, you know, the land, you know, the way they started quarreling, the land was not big enough to sustain both groups of people. So they decided to part ways. Abram said, you know, if you want to take the land to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you want to take the land to the right, I'll go to the left. Um, he told Lot to choose which direction he wanted to go. So in other words, this, this land ain't big enough for the two of us, like the old cowboys would say. But um, so Lot, he decided, and he looked out, and he said, you know, I think I'll take those well-watered plains over there. It looked good. You know, so he went, and he, he pitched his tents towards Sodom in those well-watered plains. Everything looked good. So this will be good for our livestock. They'll do really good in that direction. it looked profitable to him. looked like it wouldn't be as much work. It just looked like a, A good place to go, a good place for pasture, but it was also a good place to find destruction. You know, there are going to be some well-watered plains in our lives that we may come across. You know, whether it be jobs or career opportunities, you know, it may pay good, but is it, you know, going to keep you out of the house of the Lord? Yeah. Is it going to keep you out of His Word? Is it going to take away from your time in the Lord? You know, it could be a relationship or a friendship that's steering you away. From the Lord, you know, we, these things might look great to us, but, you know, what's the end result, what's that going to do to us spiritually, how's it going to affect us, you know, whatever you set your eyes to, this has stuck with me for a while now, whatever you set your eyes to, your feet are going to follow and your hands are going to grasp it, you know, whatever you set your eyes to, that's what you're going to go for ultimately, you know, and I want us to all have our eyes set on Christ, I want to have my eyes set on Christ, That's right. And me and Megan, we strive to have our children have their eyes set on Christ, and I'm so thankful. I mean, I'm not there all the time, but she's constantly pouring the word and them, constantly working on them. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> and I thank God for that. You know, they they you know, set their sights in those well-watered plains and they were, they were aimed right towards Sodom. They knew that Sodom was a bad place. They had heard about Sodom. You know, but in that direction, everything looked good. You know, they got to thinking that it's not going to hurt to go that direction. You know, and I'm sure they didn't wind up in Sodom overnight. You know, I'm sure they didn't say, hey, you know, this grass looks good over here. Let's just go on Sodom. You know, it took them a little while. They kept getting closer and closer and closer. They said the lights of the city drew, you know, drew them in. But Sodom, it was an awful place. Yeah. But you know, sin, it never starts out big. It usually starts with little steps. You're know, dabbling a little here, dabbling a little bit there. You're know, hanging with the wrong crowd, letting them influence you. You go further and further until you can't really control yourself anymore. You have a hunger in your life that you can't feel. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he had some addictions in his life. And I said, Man, you got to get in the word. You got to surrender to Christ. He said, Man, I just can't get over the hunger for, you know, these these drugs that I'm addicted to. I can't I've got to have my fix. He said, and and you know, it's gonna cost me all kind of money. It's gonna cost you everything. It's gonna cost your eternity i said i'm not worried about money i said i'm worried about your soul you know it gets out of hand after a while until you can't control it anymore you know, i've seen people before that's gotten hooked on gambling just from where they started out going to the casinos eat at the buffets you know people that I'm not just throwing off on other people but i've seen people before that have missed church they'll start missing sunday night church because of travel ball and because of baseball practice and because of the grandkids ball games and things and now some of those churches are shut down because yeah. grandkids got to play ball on sunday nights yeah. you know that's not just any church these are local assemblies of god churches that you know that's what it stemmed from it's sad and that's one of the reasons that megan and myself have been you know working through getting our credentials because we want to stand for what's right we want to be alike, just like brother Eddie you know to perpetuate Pentecost here in Baldwin County yeah. you know I've also seen several young people me and Megan we worked with youth for for years we've seen several young people that have become addicted to pornography and different things like that and that just didn't happen overnight right. you know, different things like vulgar commercials or provocative advertisements different things like that have drawn these young children in I mean in young ages too <clears throat> You know, Snapchat and TikTok videos, just curiosity, things that keep drawing these kids in. And, um, you know, their curiosity just gets them to go further and further until they have a desire in their heart that they can't feel and they keep going too far. But you know, there is hope. There is hope. Jesus can fix it all. You know, Lot and his family, they became complacent there in Sodom. If you read about Lot and his family there in Sodom, you don't hear any more about his livestock. You don't hear any more about his servants or his cattle or anything. It's, I you know, I wonder myself what what happened with them. I don't know, but um, they become complacent there. They become, you know, with those people. You know, um, Lot was complacent, but 2 Peter chapter two verses seven and eight says that Lot's soul was vexed by the people of Sodom. He knew it wasn't right where he was at you know like i said earlier i don't think they wound up in sodom overnight but he made that journey there little by little he drifted further and further away your sin can take you far away sin will take you further than you ever intended to go and make you pay, pay a price that you can never afford to pay he drifted further and further into sodom and as you read on you know like i said you don't hear of his servants or anything anymore their lives have changed. The lights of the city, were constantly drawing them in. There's things, you know, just like when you look at the world that we're in today, we have so much of this world trying to get us to accept. And we have people that are accepting it. You know, we've got to stand up. We've got to be a light in this world of darkness. You know, and look at Lot. He was the husband. He was the head of the household. And I just want to encourage husbands and dads and young men. <laughs> you know, it was Lot that led his family. You know, you do have a big influence on the direction that your family goes in. I just wanna encourage you, be wise, be a leader, be in the word, let your children see you in the word. Let them see you praying, don't be afraid to let them see you praying. They're always watching, they need that example in their life. And you know, if you start to wonder spiritually, they're gonna wonder. It doesn't take long for the lights of Sodom to start to draw you away. You're wondering spiritually it doesn't take long to be drawn out of god's presence sodom was an awful place it was full of gross sin full of homosexuality full of sexual perversion but then there came the day when god had had enough you know we all know the story of abram and and god negotiating from finding 50 all the way down to finding 10 righteous people and determining whether or not he was going to destroy the city or not but lot his wife and his two daughters were the only two that he found that were willing to leave the city. You know, they were only given one rule, though, as they left, and it was to don't look back. And that's that, that sad verse, remember Lot's wife. As they were fleeing Lot's wife, she turned back, and instantly she was turned into a pillar of salt. She was so close but she didn't make it. She was out of the city, but turned back. And she was so close to being spared. But she looked back. I don't know what she looked back for. You know, it could have been for her house. It could have been for her friends, maybe her things. But, you know, there was something there that drew her back. Something there that turned her back when she was so close, when she had that deliverance in sight. You know, it's okay to have things, and it's okay to have possessions. But when these things have you, it becomes a different story. You know, we can't let our things get between us and christ another brief example about being close is moses you know, moses he made it all the way to the promised land but he didn't get to enter in he was close he could see it but because of his disobedience you know, he was not able to partake of it yeah. and i've got a couple more examples of the word close another type of close is being close to god and that's where we all need to be as close to God. We all need to have that desire in our hearts to be close to God. There's a man by the name of Enoch. I know we all have heard his story. But Enoch, he walked with God and he was no more. Right. You know, Moses, and we talked about him, you know, being close but not close enough there. But, you know, he was so close to God on Mount Sinai, you know, that his face glowed when he returned. The presence right. of the Lord was like blinding, you know, as he came down. Samuel. You know, he listened to God's voice as a child and he did great and mighty things because he heeded to God's voice even when Eli and others didn't recognize God's voice. David, he was a man after God's own heart. Daniel, he was a man that prayed continually. He was in a land that nobody else was faithful, hardly anybody else, him and the, other, the three other Hebrew children, but he prayed continually. Even when he was ordered not to pray, he prayed continually. And those continual prayers... The, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Those continual prayers, you know, they showed God's presence. They showed how that God was the Almighty. Yeah. Elijah, he was taken to heaven by a whirlwind and a chariot of fire. I mean, he was close to God and they communed with God. You know, Peter, you know, he always wanted to be right there with Jesus. And, you know, we know the story about how that he failed, how they denied Christ the three times. But he was always wanting to be right there with Christ, but he was so close to God the people were even healed when a shadow passed over them in Acts chapter five and first, verse fifteen. And then Paul, Paul was so close to God. Um, a lot of people they say, "Man, I want to be just like Paul. I don't want to be like Paul. I want to be like Jesus. Amen. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to cut myself short." But Paul, he was in prison five times, or he was in prison and five times he received forty stripes, save one. Yeah. Thrice he was beaten with rods. Once stoned. Thrice shipwrecked. But in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all these things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but none that I may win Christ. He won countless souls, traveled countless miles spreading the gospel of Christ because he was close to God. He, you know, the whole time he was growing closer to God. Through all those beatings, through all the hardships, he was growing closer to God. You know, then we look at the woman with the alabaster box of ointment. She desired to be close to the Lord, you know. She wanted to be close to Jesus. She was so close that you know she washed His feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. There are so many more examples. I mean, I could I could go on all night about people that are close to God and how that we should be close to God. But we do need more of His presence, and I want to be I want to be so close to the Lord. I want to be drawn closer every day. The Bible says if we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. But um, I don't want to go anywhere without his presence. And if God's not in it, I don't want to be in it. Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 and 15 says, And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto them, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not a pence. If God's presence is not in it, I don't want to be in it. I want to, I want to be in his presence all the time. You know, I want my life to reflect his presence. I want to be in a constant atmosphere. No, Brother Eddie talks about an atmosphere conducive to the presence of the Lord for the spirit to operate in. I want my life to be that. You know, I want to be in his presence all the time and close to him. You know, that's my prayer tonight, to draw closer and nearer to him and to be in his presence. There's one uh, final kind of close I want to talk about tonight. And that's the closeness of the coming of the Lord. Jesus, yeah. he is coming soon. That's right. He's coming soon. I know we've heard it all our life, but he's coming soon. We're one day closer every day that goes by, and I'm looking forward to it. I've got a, a little old lady that calls me three or four times a week. She um, she got my number off of off of TV a while back whenever we had a revival at Somerdale for the advertisement. And she's from Alvin, Texas. And she thought I was somebody else, and she calls me all the time. And she's a sweet old lady. Her name—her name's Sister Brenda. That's—I don't know her last name or anything, but she tells me everything. But um, Sister Brenda, every time she calls me, she says, "David." I said, "Yes, Sister Brenda." How long is it going to be? I said, "What's that, Sister Brenda? How long is it going to be for the Lord to come back? He's got to come back soon." I said, "Sister Brenda, it could be any day. It could be any moment." I said, "You got to be ready. Are you ready, Sister Brenda?" I'm ready David I said okay Sister Brenda you stay ready will you pray with me that my family will be ready I said yes ma'am I'll pray oh no you ain't got to pray right now I said no ma'am I'll pray for you right now oh no 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 I got it on speaker I said Sister Brenda let's let's go ahead and pray now they need to hear it but I mean it's three or four times a week she said David the other day it was did you hear about that earthquake I said yes ma'am he's coming soon ain't he I I hope so that was bad. I said, Yes, ma'am, Sister Brenda, that was terrible. I said, We gotta pray for those people in Syria and Turkey. Yes, sir, yes, sir. And, I mean it's every every couple of days she calls David, is he coming soon? I said, Yes, ma'am, he's coming. You know, and I'm looking forward to that day. <clears throat> Revelation chapter twenty two, verse twenty. He which testifies these things saith surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. You know that's my prayer. Even so, come Lord Jesus with all the things that we see going on in this world today. Even so, come Lord Jesus. You can look at the world around us. You know it cries that Jesus is coming soon. And it's 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 got to happen soon. He's coming soon. And I know we've all heard it preached all our life. And he's closer now than 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 he's ever been. And my question tonight is are you ready? Kirsten, if you want to go ahead and come to the piano. <clears throat> you know, like we read earlier in Luke chapter 17, verses 28 through 30, it said, Likewise, as also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You know, he's coming soon. Even that text reflects that he's coming soon. You know, just looking at the signs around us. But my question tonight is, are you ready? Is there anything in your life that's keeping you from being fully persuaded? King Agrippa, he was almost persuaded. So is there anything tonight that's keeping you from being fully persuaded? Maybe not just about salvation, but maybe for healing. Maybe, you know, you've been doubting that God can heal you. Maybe you've been going through different things. You know, is there something in your life that's making you wait for a more convenient season? But, you know, I'll be honest, I've had times in my life where I've kind of been almost persuaded. You know, I'll be sick in my body or be hurting, going through different things, and and I put myself to the side a lot of times, and I'll, I'll you know, put others ahead of me. You know, praying for them, praying for their, their healing. You know, a lot of times I'm like, you know, I'll be okay. You know, Lord, I need to pray for them. But, you know... I need prayer for me, too. And I need to keep that direct communion, that direct communication with the Lord. I don't need to neglect praying for my own life because I don't want to be almost persuaded because I know that He is able. Maybe um, you're almost persuaded that God can heal you, save you, or deliver you. But, you know, the enemy keeps telling you that those same old lies, you know, He can never forgive you. He can never heal you. or God's not going to heal you. Your need's not important enough. You're not, your God's not going to deliver you because you're too dependent on what you're what you're going through. Or you're too dependent on this or too dependent on that. But it's time that we be fully persuaded that God is able. And that he is faithful. And the Bible says over and over again in the book of Psalms that God is good and his mercy endureth forever. That God is good. And he is faithful. And maybe you have loved ones tonight who are close and almost persuaded. I know we all do. I do. But I just want us to all come and find a place to pray tonight. And you know, and let God just take control because I know that he is coming soon. And I want us all to be ready and all to be fully persuaded.